Welcome to What Have We Learned? Incidental Learnings from Interesting People. I'm Ben Punter. This episode is Jennifer Tyler, who is an actress, writer, and podcaster. Uh, she performed at the Edinburgh Fringe 2019 with her first solo show, Ready or Not, which only began live four weeks before the Fringe actually started. So we talk about that. And you can follow her on Instagram. It's Jennifer Tyler10. And you can hear her podcast, Thank You for Sharing, on all good podcasting platforms. There'll be a summary at the end of all the things we've learned in this episode so do let me know what you have learned i'd love to hear from you i'm on twitter at ben punter and on facebook what have we learned here we talk about the show ready or not musical comedy writing musical comedy and mental health and we start mid preamble as we're talking about podcasting but this is what have we learned with jennifer tyler because I, I do a podcast sporadically about mm-hmm. mental health um, and uh, I had exactly the same thing where I'd have it in the middle and then like, I'd have a moment like halfway through and be like, I really want to just keep engaging with this person but I am so scared that that is just <laughs> not of internal at all. And I actually say it, I go like, I'm just going to have yeah. a We'll start like that because we're talking about podcasting. Yeah, yeah. So when you do when you podcast and you do interviews, yeah. do you have like a structure? Do you have like questions or is it like free form? I, when I first started doing it, I did it, yeah, I did a loose list of kind of like, you know, where the areas I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. um, and kind of like a sort of journey of it so that I knew that there could be somewhere to get to at the end but <laughs> I just ended up just loving the chat so much and um, uh, started interviewing friends first I already knew them quite well and had a rapport so the editing process on my podcasts were tough okay <laughs> I start the same way. I was like, I'll just I'll just interview friends first. Yeah. Because like it's comfortable and confident, and then exactly. also, um, if it doesn't, if it, it's not a good interview, I won't put it out. And I only have to explain it to one person. It's a friend of mine. Like, ah, it was just a pilot. It was a pilot. I told just you the pilot. pilot. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've just, I've just put out the last pilot episode recently now. Cool. Because like, okay, they, they'll, they'll, they'll do. And now I'm like, okay, now we need actual guests now. All right, let's get into it properly. <laughs> um, so anyway, Jennifer Tyler. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm good. good. I'm damp. Yes. Um, it is, we are in the, we are in, this is probably the most glamorous location we've done this in so far. Really? I think so. Oh, the view. Yeah. Well, no, no, and also, we're in the Royal Festival Hall. Royal. Yeah. We went there. <laughs> yeah, we did. The plan, hopefully, maybe in like a year's time, two or three years' time, I'm back here again, but I'm actually in the venue. That would be pretty cool. Let, you've said it. You've put it out. <laughs> it's mani- We're going to manifest it. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And then me in two or three years, I'll clip this bit and they'll play it on the big <gasps> screen. Can I go, yeah. And then can I pop out of the audience? Like, no one knows I'm there. I'm like, hey. I was there at the beginning. It's the reunion. The reunion. Um, so uh, let me get some questions because I wrote questions. Cool. Question um, time. Questions. The podcast is called What We Learned. And it's just basically talking because I want to go back to the old soul uh, form of just talking to people about who they are, what they do. Brilliant. And do you know what? This is actually super useful because I uh, if you, if I, I don't know if you've done Edinburgh before because we're talking about an Edinburgh show post-Edinburgh. Mm. Uh, and it, I've, I haven't allowed myself much space to reflect on it. I think you get in quite a big mindset of, um, you know, very present, very forward thinking what I'm doing today, tomorrow, tomorrow. That it's, it's, this is going to be really nice, hopefully, mm. to just be like, yeah, to, to think back. To the very beginning, which wasn't that long before. Edinburgh. No, <laughs> like, so you, you kind of like, you, you kind of see yourself in kind of an Edinburgh bubble. Yes. Of like I don't I don't need to like not right now not right now I'm busy I'm busy doing an Edinburgh Fringe show. Yes. Um, so obviously you performed at Edinburgh Fringe this year 2019 yeah. with Ready or Not. Yeah. For those who don't know or missed it, what was it about? 
It was about, uh, basically, uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, semi-autobiographical show. I um, am somebody that likes to be really ready for things. Um, I, you know, used to pride myself on doing, you know, all the work, all the prep I could possibly do for something to get ready to then bounce into action. And um, and basically got the opportunity to create a show for the Edinburgh Fringe about a month before mm-hmm. it started. Um, and therefore, my producer and I thought, well, why don't we tailor this show? Why don't we make the show about letting go of that a little bit and that experience of actually diving in the deep end with something our favorite comedians kind of pride themselves on you know feeling the fear and doing it anyway uh, and I you know realized in that moment I had this backlog of kind of comedy songs I'd been writing for years and we basically just set ourselves this challenge today this ridiculous challenge of can we make a show about this experience in a month and then present it to the world and hopefully have a kind of ripple effect of inspiring people to do the same. And so is it? So is the show kind of now all done and dusted or is there like second chances to see it or is it that's it? We would love to do it again. I think especially because we made it in such a short space of time and we got lovely responses. Um, so fingers crossed we will, you know, we're in talks about maybe doing it in London, maybe taking it rural touring because it's quite small and minimal to take around. Um, yeah, so fingers crossed this isn't the end. And you, you mentioned about writing comedy songs how long have you been in that for so quite a while but never showing anyone (laughs) is there there any particular people who sort of inspire you that in that way are you you a particular type of comedy song writer well no one particular inspiration is Rachel Bloom I don't know if you know her she wrote Crazy Ex-Girlfriend yes yes and is the star of it huge inspiration so I saw that television show uh, and fell in love with it and it also addresses lots of issues that I'm interested in like mental health um, and uh, yeah and just you know being a human being and just you know go and making kind of satirical songs like taking a song and kind of spoofing it and doing kind of showing a darker side to it um, yeah so I'd start I'd st- funnily enough to basically the show uh, trails back to kind of the initial stages of me writing these songs and it was actually during a difficult period of my mental health mm. I start I found myself in, a, in like kind of seeking to find something to make me you know feel like a bit calmer or just get out of a, a, a kind of anxious or depressed funk I started writing like silly songs and and it had a really big effect on me and and so I just kept doing it like privately just about things that I found funny I was interested in and then just before we got this opportunity had uh, started working with my friend a musician to build backing tracks so having had a session just before we got this kind of window of like should we make a show I was like I think we can do it mm. I think we could make these songs into actual big songs and do it so were the songs sort of were they parodies or were they sort of the originals and then sort of adapted into the lyrics or adapted into songs from either the music or the lyrics yeah that's a really good question like we kind of Dom and I Dom uh, Martin who's an incredible musician and dear friend uh, we I so I'd come to him with these lyrics um, that were and I'd always have kind of like inspiration songs like for example uh, what's this one about <laughs> so that I have a kind of I don't know if you've heard about that I have a bodily function section <laughs> in my show well, I, so, I, well uh, the, the first time I saw you was used at the Guilty Feminist oh yeah yeah so yeah, it was like it, I think it was 
was it the song you did there or was that uh, the, I you did mentioned it, about yeah. it you, you promoted it there as well yes well the, yeah, yeah that's well that was a kind of Celine Dion yeah so that was about um, weeing uh, like no, well specifically about um, this kind of like readiness of like you, what my mother taught me like the wisest advice like that's lingered with me that I use every day is that if you've got the opportunity to wee wee have you been for a wee How, did you go for a wee before this interview uh, <laughs> I did at home okay that's I mean everyone's bladders are different yeah that's a song in it, that's a song title in itself everybody's bladders, bladders are, are different. different exactly so um yeah and so basically then Dom and I would kind of go back to kind of the I I get these weird tunes in my head and then we go back to kind of inspiration songs and then we'll always try and build the melody different we'll not do the exact like I used to do that and I do love doing that like taking an existing melody and changing the lyrics to make it funny but we tried to make these all original yeah. with like 90s mainly 90s pop inspiration okay there's a question I have but I don't know how to phrase it I don't know what the, I've, got the, I've got the pieces of the question let's build that jigsaw let's it's, do it uh, yeah. so it's about mental health and uh, songwriting and how it yeah. all falls together and yeah. how it um, like, does one not does one equal the other or does does one repair the other it's so different everybody's mental health journey is completely unique to them and mine just happened to be end up being kind of a love letter to music and dancing and singing and songwriting like I think there's a song in it called Dancing Animal which is kind of a spoof of Dancing Queen whereas I find Dancing Queen quite funny because it's all like do 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 do, and mine's like yeah I'm a fucking dancing animal because yeah. um, that is what I'm like on the dance floor and um, yeah and it just so happened that I think I could by doing this show and writing it I was able to trace back that dancing was kind of a, a release for all these kind of like thoughts and energies and feelings I didn't have any sort of emotional vocabulary for back then when I was a child and when mental health wasn't as much talked about as it is now mm. uh, so yeah so mine happened to have a correlation and I hope that everybody it like maybe seeing the show maybe people are able to go you know if they have things that they know kind of soothe them if they are going through something difficult with their mental health like leaning into that whatever it may be like and it a, might be creative like a go-to place for yeah to, to, to soothe their soul basically. I think creativity yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a, yeah and so with that with only four weeks to put a show together mm. <laughs> did you ever get to did you ever get to do things like a work in progress or is it like you've no time like we've got we've got no time to do one of these we had no time what all we had I'm just yeah so tracing back all we yeah we the first thing I did was sit down with my producer and we got loads of post-it notes and we like all the songs I had even though yeah the backing tracks weren't written, written or anything what I had what I was still planning on writing and how we could trace that into a journey of a show we then did loads of redrafting had amazing dramaturgy from my director Catherine Armitage who I've worked with loads she's incredible and Rachel and then Dom working on the tracks and what we had time for was one very small private showing of uh, with a few friends close friends brilliant people talents in their own right and and yeah with a script in hand uh, throwing pages everywhere I go but again like things every bit of the journey for me was like so helpful because I didn't have time to get afraid in a way that yeah. I probably would have used to it's like right yeah I've got to and I've never done a one person show before either I've done the longest I've done is like kind of maybe comparing for like a 20 minute comedy thing like just yeah so all of it was a bit out of my comfort zone but yeah having a good team around you is key and I think so we had that time but no we our first show we'd still rewritten it from then we hadn't had general public responses at all yeah. so that was quite nerve-wracking was there any, any rewrites 
from the first Edinburgh show, as in like, so it's like the, you're, it was in July, so it started yep. in July. Yeah, it we bit, did. It was been, 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 been an odd one this year. Yeah. Um, so from that first show in July, actually at the Edinburgh Fringe, yep. how many changes were then made between the first show and the last show at the end? So the, I think, I, um, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, that first week is key, I think, because like, mm. you get this opportunity of previews, and my director was up with us for that first week as well. So I'd say the main changes... Oh, we rewrote the first song. No, we didn't. We rewrote the first song between that initial preview and the opening night, which was about a week. And then um, from the first preview to that Sunday, which is when the Guilty Feminist was actually. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think it was about then. But then actually, like through the month, I, there would be occasions where I'd turn to Rachel and I'd be like, mm, I, when I say that line, just it's not really fit and we'd just be like yeah change it yeah. I guess when you're doing a one person show as well it's quite easy to change things as you go yeah, although yeah. we had ended up again we, like we ended up having so many tech cues which was just ridiculous when you mm. think about it of like why would you do that to yourself but Rachel my sensational producer opted the show as well and I actually wrote her into it so <laughs> so she was basically a part of it you, you got the opportunity yeah. to do the show four weeks before four weeks before yeah what was what led up to that opportunity where what were what, what, what were you doing where were you was in I doing? yeah what was I doing so what had helped actually is I uh, in January did a sh- my short play debut um, so I've all, I've been writing since university um, but I like I've just kind of dabbled so I was on the stand-up scene I did that for quite a long time character comedy and then I just kind of go oh yeah run away from that like mm. I would and then I dabble somewhere else like oh no did it and I just I was starting to feel really frustrated and I was like you know I love yeah I was starting to my mental health had gone through a dip I was writing all these comedy songs I was also writing like short plays and I just thought I've got to I've got to get to the stage of sharing them at mm. some point and I um, my f- uh, dear friend Sean Kitchener who's amazing runs a night called Briefs and I did a short play in January with some friends and it went really well and I, and I had so much fun and I think that inspired me on but then yeah and after that I just be, I teach uh, musical theatre for Disney um, education workshops and I was just you know doing the old ploughing on really actor yeah. writer auditioning trying to hustle my so, way into the world so what was the mental health blip you don't mind so that yeah it was um just a period where i realized that i had um been suffering with generalized anxiety for a really long time and didn't realize uh, and i think it just all got a bit too much um so it kind of and yeah so it therefore i had to kind of take a step back from everything get some help uh and uh you know just learn a bit more about my brain and uh, and actually there is um as i said we through the show we trail back to me doing that and i actually share a song that I wrote directly after having something, uh, what's called a Pure O episode, okay. which it, I don't know if you know Pure O, um, but it's basically where um, a thought enters your head um, that you get very stuck on uh, and you, it's a thought that you find very distressing and it can be different for absolutely anybody and we all get weird thoughts every day and most people can kind of let them go but if you have Pure O, you can get really stuck on a thought and it can kind of overtake anything else and kind of affect your sense of self um, but I I'd, start, I'd been writing these comedy songs and I had this moment of a thought uh, and I wrote a song about it and we share that song in the show uh, and it's been really cathartic actually to share that and to kind of uh, hear the different some of my friends didn't know I'd been suffering with that and that you know so for them to see that was really interesting It's the, so I guess it's the the sensation of that internal thought and then being able to not just say it out loud but say it out loud to people and in a way to make yourself laugh I mean again like not mm. all that doesn't always work and it's again completely different for everyone else but um, even it was interesting even the difficult times because we all know Edinburgh Fringe 
is you know it's a it's a marathon it's like it's there's so many ups and downs to it and what we found was when you had those downs when you had three people in and you don't know and they're not feeling it and they're not into it like we actually like made a video on instagram my producer and i she really encouraged me to laugh about it and i it just made it so much easier and it's just interesting that comedy can kind of really heal all those kind of help to heal all those things and then how many so how many how many times you've been to edinburgh I went once when I was 18. I turned 18 at the Fringe and I turned 30 this year at the Fringe. And I had been once since. And that was with school. Yeah. And that was only for a few days. And it didn't really... It was incredible and I learned a lot. But it didn't uh, feel... I've never done the full Edinburgh Fringe until this year. And that, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's quite something. And that's why... I guess it was kind of <laughs> things, you know... Again, when Rachel and I sat in front of each other and we had this moment of like, should we do this? Shall we pitch a show? and see if we can get a show on. There were just too many things in my brain going, you, you should do this. But, it, but that doesn't mean I was also not like absolutely terrified and like, well, I have, no, I have nothing at the mm. moment. Tyler of Jordan Brooks show, and he won. <laughs> so yeah. won company, which was an incredible show. Um, so, uh, what were you, so having not been there before, what were you, and not been there for such a long time, yeah. what were your expectations of it then? So that's a good question. What were my expectations? Hmm. I couldn't quite anticipate the scale of it. I mean, it's massive. But again, I think having this opportunity so quick and having to just really invest in making a show, I mean, I didn't really have much time to... Our aims were to do the thing. It's like you said to me, you know, about doing this podcast. Like mm. Our aim was to, to focus on that. My, yeah. And, you know, Rachel, with her production company, had the investment to make it happen, to, to take a risk on it. And um, so really we were kind of going how can we make sure we can have fun doing the show? Like, how can we make a show that we want to do every day? Like, that was key to me because I, I think, actually, I'll tell you what, quickly, I had done my podcast last year, my first episode of my podcast, which is called Thank You for Sharing About Mental Health in the Industry, mm-hmm. uh, were all about the fringe. So my, actually, my expectations... I actually did have expectations because I chatted to these amazing um, <laughs> character um, comedians and actors. So, what I, so the key thing... I'd kind of let go. I was focusing on the show, so I was kind of not thinking about it. But I also had this kind of ammo and this backup of going, I have spoken to people who have kind of prepared me that it's going to be hard mm. and it's going to be the, the, some of the best times of your life and some of the worst. And, it, and so I think that was key for me, taking a deep breath and going, I've got to ride that wave. Yeah. So when you say the worst, now obviously I, would, I, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to dwell on them, but no, what, no, no. what is it? At, what is Edinburgh Fringe at its worst? <laughs> at its worst. No, I'm, 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 in the, I'm in the same pool. That I love yeah. it. I love it yeah. there, and I think it's, a, it's brilliant. And I'm like, my dad wants to go again now. He's like, wow. he's like, I found somewhere to go. I found. A, do you want to book it now? I'm like, I, it's, I've just, I'm, I don't know if I can afford it yet. Well, that's, I want yeah. to. I don't know if I can afford it. So it's. I'm curious to know what it's like as a performer. Yeah. And what is the... How low can it get? Because oh. I, I don't think that's ever put out there. Well, uh, yeah, but as... I mean, I... Yeah, we started last year. And it is. Do you know what it is? The more I read around the fringe this year, like, you know, Lynn Gardner writes amazing articles and there's, you know, there's a lot of people actually talking about it now and more on social media. And I think I felt that swell of... Um, camaraderie and support. Because I, you know, I guess it's worse. You know, you are... If you're putting on a show, 
and you can't get audiences in the door and then you're in a very vulnerable position to go out and to be like you know please come and see my show please come and see my show and then you know and, and it's a and it's a constant you know kind of thing of like can we do this can we and I guess that's why again I just would stress to anybody going like if you surround yourself with a great team you can get through it all and 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 the the doing like trying to take away from the kind of the end product like you know the best reviews or like you know you you make your like you have to I think you have to prepare for the the kind of the dipfalls and kind of go and not feel that that takes away from anything of the mm-hmm. kind of the joy of the expression and I hope Edinburgh I think it's getting to the stage where it's hitting kind of breaking point in a way. I hope it like there's 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 talks and like you know kind of meetings about how it can become more sustainable for artists going out there because like you said, mm. audiences love it, artists love it. We all want to see this big explosion of expression and creativity, but we just want to make sure that artists can do it in a way that's kind of ha- can sustainable, do, sustainable both yeah. financially and emotionally. Because but also because yeah. otherwise the, the, I think the tipping point is also. Um, the number of artists going up yeah. uh, exceeds the number of patrons going up. That's the that's the yeah. danger. But yeah, I, I don't think that will happen. I think I don't know how many people actually visit the fringe in that one month. And then, and then also I know we know there's about four thousand shows, and that's just from the website. Then you've got the free shows which aren't, yeah, yeah. aren't ticketed, and you've got the performers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so it puts it might maybe somewhere in the region of six thousand. Wow. Six thousand people are there to perform. And that's yeah. growing all the time. And I think they said, they released an article saying, this year there's more comedians there than ever before. I think of all the acts there, I think it's gone from 35 to 40% now. It's now all comedy now. Yeah. So it's just this, it's growing and growing and growing. And how long it goes, too many comedians, there's not enough time to do all these well, people. the way you, you're talking about it just then makes, I, and I, you know, this has just popped into my head. I wonder if there was any way to kind of, well, for example, like near us, like the Brighton Fringe is kind of growing, you mm-hmm. know, and that's at a different time of the year. Um, Camden Fringe happens, I think, during the same time as Edinburgh Fringe. But, I, you know, it would be interesting if that's true. I wonder if there'd be a way of kind of decentralizing it so that maybe that Edinburgh Fringe experience that kind of creates all this joy and this can, you know, really propel people's careers as well could be taken around the country, as it were. So, like, people are, you know, spending less money trying to get around the country to get to this one, even though it's a beautiful city. Mm. Edinburgh is gorgeous. Everyone should visit at some point. But uh, I don't know. Like, I'd just be so interested to know how this kind of celebration of the arts maybe doesn't have to become so intense in one place at one time yeah. I, and yet and could it have the same effect still on everybody's kind of purpose for doing it and joy of doing it but the purpose as you said should be about doing the thing and, yeah. and it, I've certainly learned a lot from it myself and had so much fun was there anything that didn't actually make the final show in that even that four weeks you're mm. you're writing you're yes performing there was no there was mm. there was um a song about gender, which I'm really attached to. And actually, uh, my director was saying, you know, that's the beginning of a whole other show. Oh, okay. Yeah, in terms of kind of like my interest in gender as a kind of um, uh, social construct and uh, kind of trying to pick it, um, pick it apart. I read an amazing book by Juno, Juno Dawson, all about um, gender. And uh, yeah, I'm really interested in that. Uh, so that could be the announcement of 2020. Um, but that, we had to let that go. Oh, cheese, the cheese hangover song. <laughs> There's a little bit of it in it. I could not let go of that one. And actually, but then you learn because I was really sad to let that one go as well. But we, um, it's actually way funnier if it's just a snippet. And I think that's what had to be the case with us working together in a small room to go, you know, what, 
how can these things land in a quick way? Because we actually, I remember my director saying to me, there's no way we can do this many songs in an hour. And we actually didn't cut them down as much as we mm. could have done. So the, the, the unfortunate truth is I didn't see the show. It's okay. Uh, you one day. But <laughs> the fr- two friends I was with uh, at the Guilty Feminist, yes. they came and saw the show. And they were the people who said, you should get the podcast. Really? Yeah, and because um, so they're they are, I'm gonna, I mean, this is the nice proper way. They're crazy in that they went to the Edinburgh Fringe for a week, yeah, and they booked like two shows before going. And I'm like, like, well, what are you gonna do the rest of the time? Oh, we'll wing it. You're crazy. Well, you say that though. That's how we start my show by kind of talking to your audience and going, who's got a spreadsheet and who hasn't, mm. who's kind of taken lead. Because what we didn't have the time to market our show, so I would always be fascinated to be like, who is here and how did you find out yeah. about it? And did you just take a punt? If you did, I'm really pleased you did. I think they, I think they did. Well, because right. they wrote the Guilty Feminist. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's show number one in the bag. I, I think the Guilty Feminist was our first show, right? And I think that your show was then the second show. I think. Well, oh. we'll stick around at Pleasant and we'll, we'll go there. That's so lovely of um, them. Thank you. <laughs> So you mentioned marketing and the fact that you almost don't have time to market it in any, in any kind of way. We were not in the brochure, people. <laughs> not in the brochure. So we're on the app, which is great. On the app. Oh, yeah, we'll see that. And actually, um, to be honest, people, more people probably use that now. So apart from Got Your Family's Appearance, what else did you have to do? What else would to put itself out there? So we, we were kind of, yeah, just jump at any opportunity we could you know Rachel's got a lot of experience in this area and we found a couple of promotional opportunities we we're on talk sport radio just before we went which was interesting because but actually to be fair they um they have a real interest in comedy they'd had like Miranda Hart on before and they were doing like a series I oh, know they they write for comedy the the presenters Andy and Paul so um, they there was a correlation um and yeah so we've done uh we we were basically trying to my show was at 12 30 so we were going you know what can we fit in around this we did the we did the um airport stage we did the it's an airport stage? Yeah! Air, oh, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm it guessing was, it's a stage that they have in the airport terminal. Yeah, it, no, not in the, just outside it. Oh, okay. <laughs> as they're coming, so as um, arrivals come out to see Edinburgh, they've got this little stage in the corner on the tarmac and um, with like a Wembley-sized like, uh, is the one where it sound says, system. Is it near where it says Edinburgh in big letters? There's a, there's a part where you come out of the, the arrivals. I think possibly. It was near the car park. No, it was near the tram. That's what I remember. I mean, literally, that is what the Edinburgh Fringe is. You're literally in, out, in, out. You yeah. can't even... Um, we did that, which was hilarious. I was like, how's everybody feeling? And just hearing these, like, suitcase <laughs> Um And, yeah, Guilty Feminist was extraordinary. I was terrified and then had such a good time. Um, and then we also did the Royal Mile stages, which, were, which, which again, that's challenging in itself because to break down a show and go, what what works we had um uh one of those shows didn't go that well because we realized that like this taking the songs out of context and it was like pouring with rain as well so but again you learn doing those promo things you learn um i guess yeah how to promote how to construct your show into a new song and that's stand-up comedy as well you'd always be going around going are are we doing a 10 minute slot today doing a five minute doing a 20 and it's so important to keep your time Mm. Uh, yeah, so that was. Um, so, yeah. so, how do you know what, how to break it down? How do you know how to go? Oh, you're doing ten minutes, right? We need to do this show in, summarize this show in ten minutes, or you now got to do it in twenty minutes. How do you? Where do you start in the breakdown of it? Like, how do you pick which bits to pick? Well, luckily, I, I think you know, Kat and Rachel, we just all sit down and we just work through and just uh, brainstorm. And you'd have to do it quickly. I think that's the thing with the Edinburgh mm. Fringe. Everything, and that again was just part of this experience for me which was going you know 
you trusting yourself yeah. and going you you can do this and uh, you know I, I'm there the night before Guilty Feminist learning this new bit and then I'm about to do the show again which is the show in a different form like a completely different intro but also just say so, you know Rachel is a mastermind and she'd be emailing people out she'd be I didn't have Instagram before this show mm. and I've had to learn how to do Instagram and Rachel has helped me with that you know and that's part of it as well it and and that was nice too because it became i now look back on it and because if you archive it and go you can kind of see the behind the scenes like yeah. throughout and you mentioned about panicking and like you do, with Edinburgh mm. you don't get a chance to panic it's, it's I'm, I'm trying to think of an, an analogy that it's like that you know, you, like it's you have to do it and you have to do it now you don't have a chance to even think about it and you have to do it for a long time yeah and i think that's really key as well because you have to go out there as a performer and adapt to all sorts of different audiences Mm. all sorts of like especially with comedy like where things land and where things don't and it's you know kind of like a sport in a way and so you know you and I think that therefore you know you you have to every you know kind of show that wasn't like we'd have shows that would be like yeah and every shows are like thank you very much and you Mm. have to go like okay so every single one of them is is a learning curve and so what was the general feed what was the general feedback from the show? <laughs> the general feedback, well, in the loveliest you know, I'd have people coming up to me and being like, you know, this was a show I didn't know I needed to see mm-hmm. and I and I really did. Um, and people really resonating. That was a that was a comment that got like, you know, that it really resonated and the kind of uh, people saying that, it was brave which is interesting i think there's a whole conversation in that in itself um because yeah it's just uh, uh it was and for me is uh, to have that connection with people was lovely there was also interesting i was doing a lot of kind of taboo things so we'd have i sing a song about my um body body hair mm-hmm. and um uh my hairy vanch <laughs> <laughs> and um, like things like that where you like you'd be really interesting to see how, if audience would go with it and whether you might lose them and like how you could bring them back yeah. so like as a performer like kind of telling these stories uh, which for me again was quite um, yeah that, but you, you would you get people going oh my god oh my god she's not going <laughs> to sing about that oh my god she's going to sing about that and I'm glad I put myself through I'm glad I uh, took a chance on that because I could so easily have not done and mm. I think I, I, well, I tell you what I did do in terms of influences is a show called Broad City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it? Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely love it. And I think I would watch that every morning. <laughs> As like sort of like your... <laughs> to gear me up. <laughs> yeah. But it's like your warm-up song almost. It's an episode of Broad City almost. Just being like, you know, they've got my back no matter what. Like, even if audiences <laughs> are a bit like, what? I just feel like they'd love it. <laughs> and so doing those... So doing all those performances and doing them and seeing those, all those responses yeah. to different types of songs, do you now feel like you developed as a performer or like you like you've developed like a, a more of an act like you have now uh, an act that you can now think oh this could be now my thing yeah I think def- definitely I had some real wobbles before we went in mm. terms of like because I knew I loved doing the songs I've always done that and I knew that but the the in between the songs I was just I really didn't know if I could do it because I'd done a lot of character comedy and I'd done minimal comedy as myself and and my producer was really pushing for me to be me and to kind of to get out that energy that she sees in kind of me in day-to-day life um, and just being fun with my friends and so I that I think the main thing I learned is that yeah that kind of 
you know, I, 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 I was so tempted to kind of construct it so I wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm really glad I did. And I do think that that actually, you know, will it's done wonders for my self-esteem uh, and w- will also benefit my performing, playing other people as well. Because I think you, I, one thing I've really learned about acting is that like you have to, you have to get in touch with yourself first. And I think I would be so tempted to just, you know, run away from me and be like, oh, I want to be this person. And I want to be that person. And kind of to, to actually stand in front of a group of people. And also I constructed it so I would chat to the audience as they came in. I didn't wait behind any wings. I didn't wait to come out. I was there immediately and I got to know everybody. And I that relaxed me so much. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to keep doing it if even if we change venues. But um, that I think... I think for the first time I was able to kind of run the room in a way and go, you know, like, I know that I'm going to have more fun doing it in that way. But 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 needing that team support and those friends to go, I believe in you, Jen. I believe yeah. you can do that. And again, like, that's why I encourage people to find, you know, their tribe of people who want to bring out the best in them. So what made it less nerve-wracking by greeting people? What what takes... What that, takes the fear out, fear out of the room then? For me, it f- then feels like our show today. And mm. it, it feels like I get a... You know, all I'd be doing is, you know, going, how, how are you? Like, you know, how's your fringe going? Have a bit of a laugh, bit of a chill. Um, and and I expected to get more hostile reactions than I did. I expected people to be like, you know, no. why? <laughs> no, or like people, you know, because you get a lot of people going, I hate audience interaction. Like I hate, and I totally respect that and understand it. And I'd always be like, you know, this isn't that. Like with their shows I started, I promise, like, you know, we're just, I'm just here with you. I'm going to sit down if there's a spare chair, which there often is in Edinburgh. <laughs> um, and yeah, and just, um, uh, yeah. So I guess for me, then when I got up to start the show, I felt that, you know, we're, we're going to be going on this ride together. I talk to the audience as well. I don't look above heads. Uh, I'm very, you know, with people. Luckily, in my venue, I can see faces. Um, and I liked that. So maybe, you know, that was just a way of me going. It's not about it's not about me and them. It's not, I don't have to like summon something up. My movement director was really great with that, um, who jumped on board as well at the last minute and just saying, you know, you there's energy all right you don't have to summon up all this like <gasps> you go back to do this thing it, it, there's people around you there's energy in the wall you know it's all there for you and i think it would connect it would make me present in the room because you're at the pleasance courtyard as well it's yeah. a very small very small uh, little venue did you get a chance to see much other comedy when you was at the at the fringe generally i i did um obviously in that first week it was really intense and you'd get you'd be i I wanted to see more than I saw, mm. but yeah, with, and with the Pleasance um, passes as well, I was yeah really I saw some amazing stuff. You know, some of the um, I saw the Lol Word, which is an amazing uh, queer comedy night. Um, that wasn't at the Pleasance. Were you talking about the Pleasant? Well, oh, well, anyway. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, we we made sure. Therefore, like after that first week, we were like, and actually. I remember being a bit hesitant again and being like, oh, I've got to, you know, got to knuckle down. And my director said, oh, I've got to go home and relax. My director said, trust me, go and see a show. And we went to see Sarah Keyworth. Yep. Amazing. And it's the most relaxing thing you can do at Edinburgh, actually, I think, to go and see other people's shows because you then realise how you're not... Yeah, I mean that you're not alone and that there's a whole bunch of people and I think the more we can lean into that, like the more you yeah, you're going to a show and being like, Yeah, that person's just putting themselves out there, I'm really enjoying it. So why wouldn't I put myself out there in the same way and do it? And I think it's just a lovely solidarity thing. So yeah, I was I saw some great I was, I mean, 
talent is just enormous. And I'm always curious about the about uh, venue choices at Edinburgh generally. Yeah. And the, I mean, I'm always interested to see that certain venues are kind of known for certain types of comedy, yeah. and then also that certain venues might have more appeal to others. I mean, was there any venues that you went to and you thought? Oh, this is pretty nice. I could, I could do the show here definitely. Yeah, I did. There was one in particular. I uh, got asked to compare a musical comedy, the Musical Comedy Guide, um, uh, which is a great resource for publicising musical comedy. Um, and uh, it's Dave who runs it. He's fab. And yeah, it, it was. Where was it? Oh no. Jenny Bead was in there as well. I missed her show unfortunately. But it's it's like it's uh, it's very beautifully lit theatrical space. Um, uh, that's annoying. Can you add it in later? Uh, yeah, I can do. Is it a monkey barrel? Monkey barrel. Is, there's, it's on a, monkey barrel's on a street with four very very narrow uphill streets. Mine was one where you had to go off the street and then go down some stairs, and it was on the left. Down some stairs and. On and it's the really left. near. Um, it's really near the main big green square. Oh, it's near in one of the. Um, Gilded balloon. It must. It must be a gilded balloon one. But you do, and also I saw one on the. I saw a monkey bar one on the free fringe that um, great comedy act. Uh, what are they called? Um, oh no, Miss Lee, Miss Lee. Um, oh, please don't include <laughs> me being like, oh, what are they called? Last party, secret party, secret house party, okay. secret top house party. They're All an right. amazing comedy duo, um, and th- that was like in this really like beautifully lit tunnel cave place. One of the it was one of the monkey bar ones. Um, mm. But you don't have time to learn all the names. You're just stumbling around like no. a lost performer. In, the, in, <laughs> our, in our debrief fringe episode, we learn, um, and I learned from my own mistake on this, is that there are, I think like the big four are Pleasant's Monkey Barrel, Stand, Goody Balloon. Oh, and then there's assembly halls, assembly rooms. Yeah, yeah. But that isn't just one place. That is so many, so many, so many different things. So there's, there's, Pleasance Courtyard and then there's like Pleasance something else as well oh there's the Pleasance Dome yeah and then you've got you've got the assembly halls it's nowhere near the assembly rooms and I did a spreadsheet I made a, a spreadsheet and I made a walking guide so oh, if, well done so if you're, that is prepped so if you're going from A to here yeah. and then it's like oh it's 20 minutes or this is 25 minutes or this is 15 minutes and I fooled myself I'm like oh okay well I'm seeing Emmy Blotnick at uh, Underbelly yeah and then I've got Ed Byrne at uh, assembly rooms are oh, they only 5 minutes apart Wrong one. You, you, assembly Hall at the, at the very top end. No. Like, oh, and it was it was one of the days where it absolutely hammered it down. And oh I had five gosh. minutes to get there. And I thought, I'm not going to get there. Oh I thought, I'm no. just going to go home. I'm just done now. That is the... But then, you know, you, that is the ambition of any audience member. And you have to be aware of that as a performer, actually, mm. I think, to know that people are coming in and they got to go at the end. Like, yeah. they, they, you are one in a schedule and, like, kind of sticking to that that time. Our show got longer because I got more comfortable kind of <laughs> riffing off the audience. So we'd have to be really wary about that. But, oh, we did that as well. We went to the wrong venue once and we were we were just like, please, yeah. it must be in there. They were like, nope, 10-minute walk. So you mentioned about um, being, being able to be yourself between songs. If you weren't being yourself between songs, what characters would you be? Or would you be one character throughout, do you think? Well, we did. There are a few characters in it. I mean, there's obviously characters in the songs because they all echo different worlds. But um, I had three characters, like my inner good girl. My inner good girl voice is very like a Mallory Towers. We called it Mallory in the end. Mallory. <laughs> uh, very Mallory Towers, like telling me basically as I'm starting to head into the bodily functions, I should be like, don't do it, Jennifer, no, yeah, you mustn't yeah. do it. And then I had my inner critical voice, which is like this kind of 
riff off W1A and like fee, like my PR guru be like, Jen, no, like, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. And then uh, uh, who was my other one? Oh, Ready Jenny, which is kind of me because that we're talking about me, you know, letting go of this kind of ready for anything, ready Jenny, she's got to do this, got to do that. I'm so on the ball, ready for anything that life throw, throw at me. And you, you, you know, life is so unpredictable that you have to be flexible in that. And I think, so being able to stand on stage honestly as me from being ready Jenny at the end and like gradually just being more and more myself. And I was able to stand with silence, which, you know, it's so powerful on stage and, and sit in that. And so again, you know, trusting that journey, things that I'd be scared to do before. And so that kind of, not hiding too much behind a character, I suppose that gives you more confidence in yourself as a, you know, as a performer, as like you being you I on stage. I think so, and I think that's just where I needed to go in my personal journey and, and professional. I think I needed to lean in to something that I was r- running from and avoiding. I needed to lean in and trust that I could deliver um, as myself and it'll be really interesting to see how that develops you know if doing the show again because we're definitely gonna uh, you know there's all of us have seen bits in the show that we're like oh you know that could be better in this so it'd be interesting to see um, where I lean into I want to I'm very into the songs and I really want to maybe develop that for kind of like online as well there, that was where I was heading I wasn't I was never going to do a one person show mm. but I do I, but I have to say you know I missed that was such a come down coming you know every day I'd be standing out and connecting with like this group of people you know for such a long time that that kind of felt like a really weird disconnect when I came home and then speaking of um, sort of like come downs yeah post Edinburgh Fringe yeah <laughs> what, was, what was that feeling like? like so it's like it's done thank you good night and then you obviously got pack up and come back to London well I went straight up Arthur's seat immediately after my first <laughs> show because I I was staying near it and mm. I you know and I hadn't we hadn't factored that in even though I've been told it's very good to go and have a walk in nature didn't do it <laughs> oh no um, well, I'll be honest I've been so the two years I've gone I'm, like, I'm gonna go after uh, go up Arthur's seat and I never never did I did it this year you did I did it this year did you like it uh, it's impressive. It is impressive. But it's too far. <laughs> too far? It's too far. It's too high. It's treacherous, It's man. really, yeah, yeah. It is treacherous. Yeah. There's no help. I kind of loved it. I'd be seeing these, like, pa- parents with, like, babies, like, on their shoulders, like, clambering down on these rocks. It's like, there's no set path, and it was kind of cool. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was like, I needed to do that, and I, that was very <laughs> important. I did it on my own. It was real, and I could have a moment. And then, yeah, I think... The you know the come down has been interesting. Again, I was very prepped. My director's done Edinburgh many times, and she said I actually still haven't seen it. We're going to see each other this week as a kind of like debrief. But um, she said it is weird and it is tough, uh, and I, I think I I kind of couldn't switch off from that um, go 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 energy for a while, and then I kind of had a little crush. Yeah. And I think again, it's really it's just really important to uh, talk about it uh, and to kind of. And to really, again, like we were saying before about, you know, the, f- the financial aspect and the emotional aspect and everything and just being, like, no matter what happened, you know, you got to see it as a success that mm. you went out there and did, did that it. thing. And I think, you know, that is something that I've been, I've been talking to other people coming back from Edinburgh and going, you know, that that is something we've got to be so proud of and so and and and, and be honest about how it affects you when it comes home because it, it does. Mm. And so what's next? 
what's next? Next is hopefully uh, doing the show again. As I said, we're in talks, uh, and so that, uh, fingers crossed, will be happening within the year, either in London or in a rural touring aspect, fingers crossed. Um, I, I'm doing a friend's play uh, at the end of the year, uh, a kind of spoof on, um, on uh, American teen movies coming to the UK. It's called Fucking Bring It On, Lads. <laughs> and it's uh, written by the amazing Beth Johnson. Uh, I'm doing back to writing with Dom. Uh, I've got uh, probably my most ambitious song idea yet that I'm trying to uh, make work in my head at the moment. And and yeah, just back back to the hustle, back to the grind. You know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? These kind of uh, this uh, artistic lifestyle is uh, back to kind of you know uh, making it work and and uh, building that community and trying to make great things happen. Jen, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you much to Jen for this chat, and also thanks to the Royal Festival Hall for the recording space. Uh, the missing show name was also Lady Likes with Top Secret House Party. That was the missing show that we were talking about. And you can hear Jen's podcast. Thank you for sharing on all good podcasting platforms. And you can follow her on Instagram, Jennifer Tyler 10 So, what have we learnt? We've learned that a pure O episode is when you have a thought that you get stuck on. It's the same O as from OCD. Creativity is a great fixer for mental health. Have a great team around you is key for Edinburgh, and it's easier to change things as you go with a one-person show. The Fringe is a marathon, and every show is a learning curve, and always talk about it as a success because you did it. Arthur's seat is treacherous, and everybody's bladders are different.